0: Cooking Issues, this is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Midtown Manhattan and Rockefeller Center on Newsstand Studios. We'll be joined in a little bit with Nastassia Hammer who is caught in traffic, but we do have Joe Hazen rocking the panels. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? You're looking smart. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I I made it a little bit earlier than normal, so I've already dried out. That's what it is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. What I did was I took the dogs for a shorter-than-normal walk today, and I figured, you know what? I'll be home in time. I can walk them. You know what I'm saying? Copy that. Yeah, and then uh, on our California panels, we got uh, Jackie Molecules. How's it going, Mr. Molecules?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Doing all right. And get guess what? Guess what, Jack? What? So what? Uh, uh, John, John uh, decided that he liked Seattle so much he was traveling to Seattle that he would get the COVID so he could stay there for an additional ten days. How about that, right, John? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, you loving great it? You loving it? Yeah. Yep. There's no better way loving to see it. a city than to get COVID and have to lock yourself in a box for 10 days. Am I right?
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Modern
2: Fantastic. travel. so much fun. Travel
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, so like, did you, did you, you were in San Francisco first and then Seattle. So did you eat or, and or drink anything interesting before you, uh before you got quarantined?
2: Yes, in so didn't haven't done anything interesting in Seattle, unfortunately. In San Francisco, we got drinks at this bar called True Laurel, which was really delicious. Uh, they even had a spin ball, which was exciting to see. Um, yeah, just really delicious cocktails. I don't know, the menu descriptions seemed odd like what? They, every drink. I, I don't know, just like things that I didn't expect that I'd be into, and then the drink hit the table and. You know, it was like you at a at Sunken Harbor chugging Garrett's Pimm's. Um They were just really, really yeah, well, delicious. Well, that was cocktail, delicious. So Gar-
0: Garrett is going to call in later this time, by yeah. the way. But but g- be more specific, dude. Yeah. Like I don't, I still don't have a handle on what you on what you mean. Like, give me a drink that you thought okay. was g- not going to like, but you ended up liking.
2: So hold up, there's this something with pistachio. Let me pull up their menu. Pista- um,
0: pistachio, one of the best Italian words. A pistacchio. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Great. Okay, so the myo oh my, which is blended rum, lime, pistachio, job, curacao, coffee rum float, and milk washed.
0: Oh, you had me until you said and coffee was, rum float. You had me until you said coffee rum float. It.
2: I know, but it was really, really good. Like really good.
0: Right, here's um, here's the thing about coffee. Love coffee. I make coffee flavored beverages <laughs> for other people. Here's two things I don't like in my coffee: milk or sugar. And so, like, uh, oh. I don't really end sure. up liking coffee-flavored things. You know what I mean? I like a little shot. You know, like, you know the old-time secret of you put a shot of espresso, or back in the day it was instant coffee, into chocolate cake mixes to kind of, like, punch them up a little bit? It's a, it's a thing. Uh, that I'm okay oh. with. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, no yeah. man- no Manhattan specials for you? No. Although although I know... It, so Manhattan Special Soda, for those of you that have never been to New York City, is a soda that I don't think they sell outside of New York City. And it doesn't actually come from the island of Manhattan. That's, that's a mistake that people make. It's from Manhattan Avenue in Brooklyn is where, is where it's from. That's where it was made. And it is an, like a coffee soda, all right? And the people who like a Manhattan Special... Freaking like the Manhattan Special. It's an old school soda. Not my jam. Are you a Manhattan Special man?
1: I grew up. My father was from Brooklyn, so we had Manhattan Specials all the time. In Florida, that you can find Manhattan Specials. Really? Because yeah. of all
0: the uh, Brooklyn expats yeah, down there. Got the guy with the green hat. He's like a little sipping a little espresso. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bada, yeah. Boom, bada, bada That's real. I don't think that. Wow. I mean, like, I, I think yeah. maybe it's contracted. I, I've, I have never seen it outside. I'm glad that you can get it in Florida, but along with. Um, Along with Dr. Brown's Celery. Those are like the two. Oh, Celery. Celery soda. By the way, I just have to say this. I'm just going to put this out there. I, I don't like cherry soda. I don't, right? So, like, I never liked the Dr. Brown's cherry. But Celery Ow. soda is the greatest soda flavor that is, in my opinion, is my favorite soda flavor that I've ever had. Also, Wiley Dufresne is going to come on the show. His favorite soda flavor. And it's not celery, the, the stick. It's celery seed. Celery seed soda. And Dr. Brown... And so, like, maybe... I, I think Wiley developed it once, but since uh, it's getting harder and harder to find celery soda, you know, I've never, I don't think, made for money, in other words, at any of the bars, I've never made a celery seed syrup to do, like, Carbo cocktails. Is it because I'm stupid? Is that why?
2: Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because that would be so intensely delicious. Like, so, like, you know, like... um. If if you take a look at the book Liquid Intelligence, uh the coriander syrup that's in that that's that is used in the Cliff Old Fashion was originally developed for uh, a ginger ale substitute because like coriander seed plus uh hot pepper kind of hits the same kind of like like flavor love buttons that like ginger ale would hit, right? Uh but celery soda is different, but it's also in that category of kind of like vegetal awesome bracing uh product. So like maybe maybe that's uh maybe that's the next uh thing, you know. Well, I'm not really working on cocktails. Hey right Dave,
1: in, in the Discord we got we had a little chat going on here. Josh says cheer wine is one of the great American products. I have to agree with him. You're not a cheer wine guy?
0: Ah, uh, I mean it's just not from here. I'm from here, so like I'm not against cheer wine. I'm not against it, you know what I mean, but I'm. Just, it's just uh, you know, uh, it's just not black cherry
1: soda. Really, I, I've never met anybody who doesn't like black cherry soda.
0: I don't. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. So you know what? You know what's a, a really dumb regional soda in uh, from Massachusetts is uh, Rascal. You ever have Rascal? No, no. no.
2: I've
0: never even heard of it. I mean, it's fine. There's a rabbit on it. And their, their motto is, nobody famous drinks it. So if you drink it, you're guaranteed to never become famous. At least according to the bottle. Nobody famous. Or you have to stop drinking it.
1: Your ego shrinks?
0: I guess. It, uh, like it doesn't say nobody who is currently famous. In other words, it doesn't say that famous people have never drunk it. It just says famous people don't drink it. So like once maybe you can become famous, and then you just can't drink it anymore. But, you know... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Wanna, well, I
2: want to chime in with a little burn here. So, Dave, did you chug that stuff growing up?
0: Oh, hell yeah. No, but only when I was but in Massachusetts. Thing, yes. Only when I was in Massachusetts. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to get a regional soda when you're in a regional location. Uh, the other one, what's the other, uh, what, what are some other regional sodas? Hmm. I had, oh, a uh, terrible Scottish soda. Oh, it's Nastasia, How you doing? I like your, uh, I like your summery outfit. Yeah. It's because it's hot as hell and she's driving in a car without air conditioning because she hates air conditioning so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Oh, wait, Dave. Do you know this soda, Ale 81 No. It's like a ginger citrus thing, and it's like, I think it may only be in Kentucky. Ooh. Well, when I was in Kentucky, really- I, I didn't have it, so no. Uh, the worst soda in the world is Iron Brew. That's yep. like a oh. Scottish thing, and it is terrible. It is a bad product. I like hearing Scottish people say the word "iron brew" because of the way they say it, which I won't try to imitate. But it's not a good, not a good soda. I oh, think it's bubblegummy, it right? Isn't what? it kind of a bubblegum flavor? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. I think it's supposed to be orange. No, it's or orange color. It, yeah, it's orange color. Yeah. yeah, But it huh. itself is, uh, yeah, yeah. It itself is a, a trash can product. Uh, no offense to those of you who grew up uh, loving uh, the Iron Brew. All right, so next week, please get your questions in. We're having uh, the, uh, the, the couple that is the current, uh, what, what, do you, what do you call them, current keepers of the joy of cooking, right? Uh, but for the first time ever, we're, we're doing an, like a, a uh, cross-continent couple thing where one of them is going to be in not here, and one of them's going to be in the studio. So Megan Scott is going to be in the studio with us next week, but John Becker uh, is is going to be somewhere else. So we'll see how we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that we'll make faces and see whether he can he can judge. But get your questions in. Uh, I know you better get your questions in now because if not, I have like a million questions. I have I think six editions of the Joy of Cooking, uh, including like a facsimile of the original. Uh, I don't. I can't remember whether I have the one with the war rationing insert into it, but I also have the famous one that my uh, old editor, Maria Shelley, the one that kind of took her down at her uh, at her second-to-last uh, job. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about The Joy of Cooking. Classic book. Uh, who else we got coming on, uh, John? Uh, Bob Florence from More Me Show You,
2: and then uh, the co-founders of Made in Cookware. It's going to be a double-header week, um, so we'll have more me show Bob on um, Tuesday, and then Made in Cookware on Wednesday.
0: So, Keep are we? But are, are, are we going to then skip the week after? What are we going to do?
1: Yeah,
2: I don't know. We can just dis- yeah, I don't know. We can discuss that. All I don't right. think there are any plans.
0: All right.
2: Okay. There's no one scheduled for the following week, so we could, yeah.
0: And it's up to you guys. Uh, so we'll, Nasta- see. We'll, we'll talk about it on Yeah. All right. So, Nastasia, how, how, how have you been? Other than uh, other than getting caught in traffic without air conditioning, driving into uh, our grand city, how have you been? I'm fine. Have you seen anything or eaten no. anything interesting? You have good plants out where you are. Any uh, seagulls murdering uh, starfish? No. 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 I still. I say, like, uh, Nastasia got traumatized watching uh, a seagull eat a starfish a while back.
1: That was in uh, late March 2020.
0: And you said it just ripped off the legs and then just, like, housed deep the legs. deep each one. Yeah, and I think, like, the problem was, is you were like, that's not delicious.
1: No. No.
0: I mean, no. starfish, not no. a delicious product. I mean, what the hell is this seagull getting out
1: of that? I don't know. I don't know. It was dark.
0: Yeah, it was yeah. a dark moment. And, and then I, I was, told you yeah. to watch uh, the lighthouse, and you wouldn't.
1: No, Dave asked me to watch the lighthouse in 2020 when I was living
0: alone in my lighthouse. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it sounds like the perfect
1: time to watch it. What are yeah. you talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you weren't already creeped out enough by wind and storms, and, and yeah,
1: then I will. I make you pull my head out of the oven,
0: like. Yeah. You know, well, don't you have an, don't you have an electric oven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: doesn't work, Stas. I know, I know. What could I do? You know
0: what? That's like, uh, yeah, I heard a terrible story, which I won't repeat, uh, re- regarding that exact phenomenon. Um, all right. So, uh, oh, by the way, get this, get this, Stas. Mm-hmm. I, I said to uh, Jack before we got on the air today, I said, Jack, you, you eat anything interesting recently? And here's what he said. Jack, what'd you say?
1: I said no, not really. I'm on a fitness
0: kick. Oh, nice. It, it, well, uh,
1: wait. <laughs> Thanks, Doug.
0: <laughs> but what does that mean, fitness kick? That you can't eat something that tastes good because you're on a fitness Dave, kick? What you've does that mean? been on a fitness kick where you only eat the lunch diet. Yeah, the, like but I eat. But I eat normal. I eat normal food in the evenings. I eat normal human food. That's in still the a evenings. fitness kick. That's not a fitness kick. All right, so so what's I mean, what having, what, like, what is this fitness goals
1: for breakfast? You know. It's what do you like, say about
0: eagles for breakfast? You know. Did you say I eat no. eagles for breakfast? <laughs>
1: I said acai bowls. You know, I'm like really leaning into the. LA what is an acai here? bowl? You
0: know what? Why don't you it's just embarrassing? Do you know what's cheaper than acai? Just straight vitamin C. You know what I'm saying? It's like acai, Like well,
1: there's other fruits that are in there. You know. It's okay.
0: Like, it's a do you know fruits um, and? Do you know what happened to the guy who uh, popularized mega doses of uh, vitamin C? Aside from winning two Nobel Prizes, do you know what happened to him? Oh, really? What happened? He died. He died. So, like, all of that vitamin C didn't make him live forever, as I know, well, because he is now when? dead.
1: Well, not forever. When? How old was he?
0: I mean, he was, like, I don't know. Like, Linus Pauling. You can look him up. Linus Pauling. But, like, the, like, the, the man wins uh, a Nobel Prize for the... Uh, uh, the exclusion principle, right? And then he, uh, Pauli, I can't remember anything. And then he wins poly, a Nobel yeah. Peace Prize for his anti-nuke stuff. And then he goes on this kick that vitamin C, that antioxidants are going to keep you alive forever, as as though uh, like like someone who someone who knows that much chemistry and physics, right, should understand that your body is a, like, a a redox thing. You need oxidation and reduction. You can't just only be antioxidant uh, your whole life. Like, you burn oxygen for a living. Like, that's how you stay alive. So, like, to be completely, like, antioxidant freak show, it just doesn't make sense to me. Do you feel... And here's the other thing that makes me mad about, about any sort of like crazy like fad thing is of course you feel better because anything – if I gave you a block of sand and I said if you eat this block of sand every day, oh my god, you're going to feel so good about yourself. And then like you'd feel good about yourself eating a block of sand. Speaking of which, you see uh, – mm. speaking of selling people blocks of sand and making uh, telling them it's going to make them feel good, you see uh, Oz, is now, uh, Oz is now the uh, – uh, the Republican candidate officially in Pennsylvania. I'll just say this. While this is not a political show, while this is not a political show, and I'm not going to make a political statement about Dr. Oz, I worked for the guy in the 90s when he was, and it's true, I'll say this about him, he was a, he was a good surgeon, a good heart surgeon. Right, and when I worked uh, for his lab, I was in college, and my mom's faculty at Columbia, so I got you know I used to get summer jobs at Columbia. So uh, you know one summer we went in, and literally we would they would uh, take kill a pig, right? Because my mom was a a a transplant; she wasn't a surgeon; she was a cardiologist, right? Pediatric cardiologist. She ran their transplant program. So I used to work with. you know, uh, labs that were working on what's called a xenotransplantation, which is uh, when you temporarily put uh, another animal's heart into, uh, into a person to keep them alive while they can get a transplant. It doesn't really work that well. Or like uh, they would test different ways to what's called a perfuse a heart, uh, a heart or organs, which is how to, you know, keep it in good shape while they have it in a literal igloo cooler on the Learjet, like going from point to point when they're doing a transplant. Like doctors running around in Learjets and helicopters with a straight up igloo cooler and with a human heart in it, it's kind of creepy, right? Yeah, that is creepy. It is creepy. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you this? I probably shouldn't tell you this. So, uh, when you when bodies are donated to science, one of the things that you can get donated to is like your organs can be used for teaching, right? So my mom used to have a human heart that she would use for teaching, and I went to the garage one day and I opened up. We used, you know how like. I don't know whether your life is like this, but like you know, when you, a freezer breaks, it goes into the garage and becomes a, a, a chest of drawers. Almost, you know storage what I'm saying? Storage bin, yes, yeah, storage bin. You know what I'm talking about? I so said, we're, we're, we're the same. We're the same. Anyway, so we open up this thing, and it's like can of paint, can of paint, can of paint. Human he heart, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like oh some, it was some creepy stuff. But anyways, so it's in the '90s, and I'm working for uh, I'm working for Doctor Oz, and uh, at the time. It was apparent that while he had uh, was skilled at surgery, he would say or do anything to get ahead. And that he it was full of crap and has remained full of crap. And uh, I probably wouldn't want him to operate on me anymore, right? Uh, but also, like, why would anyone believe anything that he has to say outside of the operating field when it's known that he will say anything to get ahead? And that's all I'm going to say about, about him uh, personally as someone who worked for him. Uh, you know, I have more funny stories about sheep dropping over dead and stuff like this in the, in the lab, but, uh, you know, not going to necessarily get into that. Speaking of transplants, you remember when they tried to do that head transplant in Russia? Oh, I think I read something about what happened. He died. He died. He died. He got a head. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Hey. Whoa. Uh, you know what I feel like? It's like anytime they do, I mean, anytime they're like the first person to do something, like it's always bad. You know what I mean, like so. Uh, but it's a head transplant. Yeah, it's I mean, like, it's like the same ears, the I'm same kidding. eyes, same mouth, same brain. Listen, I'm another person. Don't. Let's not pretend that doctors, like I come from a family of doctors, so like I realize they're regular human people, right? They're sitting around high out of their minds because they're people, right? Watching Futurama, and they see like the heads in jars, and they're like, you know what? It's just, and this is the way surgeons think, right? And back me up, surgeons out there. Back me up, surgeons out there. It's like, it's just tubes and wires. It's just tubes and wires. I could hook it up. I could hook it up. I hook up tubes and wires all day long. I could do it. And so they're like, you know what? Your body is failing. The head's okay. You, 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 you want to give it a shot? You want to give it a shot? And, they, and, you know, I'm willing to hook it up. If you're willing to give a shot with your head, I'm willing to hook it up. You know what I mean? They're getting better with things like hand transplants and uh you know other member transplants. That's
2: cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're getting better. Uh getting much better. Uh anyway. All right. So uh, uh eno- enough of that, I guess. Um all right, so Ilya, we have Garrett, we swear on a stack of Bibles. Garrett's gonna be uh calling in uh today uh at some point. All right. Now Biftit Ritz uh wrote in and said uh most recipes I've seen for tortillas seem to say uh to hydrate the masa slash masa harina and then briefly rest before shaping, do you think there would be any benefit to doing a long rest to allow enzymatic activity like there is in uh wheat flour based uh recipes um no no uh i mean if with masa harina, obviously it's been dried already, and so um you know, it, it like, you want to let it hydrate to get to its kind of final texture. But, um, you know, an enzymatic breakdown in flour, I mean, you're not trying to get a rise out of it. So the answer is no. I don't think you'd get a thing. And when you're making real masa, sucker's already wet. And, like, you know, and there is, on the inside of it, some uncooked, uh, you know, unhydrated uh, starch. But, uh, you know, I think the, the benefit of resting... Um, you know, I guess once you just grind it, letting it rest a little bit is, is a good idea. But I mean, I think it's mainly with masa harina. But I would say no. Again, I'm not an expert. I have not studied that. Right. So, like, I would speak to someone who does that every day. Like, you know, uh, someone who you know makes uh, fresh nixtamal every day and you know has rested it versus not. Or more importantly, because think about this, right, Stas? When you buy uh, when you buy masa, you know, like a, like a, the you know real one, right? You buy it. You don't use it all right away, it's sitting around, so if there was a huge difference in resting it, then the tortilla you made in hour four would be way different from the tortilla you made in hour one, and typically they're not right mm-hmm. typically they're the same mm-hmm. anyway after an initial rest, so I'm gonna say it's mainly just a uh hydration uh question and not a sucker gonna change kind of a question is that was that uh, answered sufficiently yeah okay uh Ian writes in, I would humbly like to resubmit the nut milk spins all process question uh, for No Tangent Tuesday. Dave, I promise you, it is not on your Instagram. Having thoroughly stalked the cooking issues and Booker Index Instagram accounts. Uh, and John helpfully said, uh, maybe Garrett knows. All right. So here's what I'm going to say about, uh, about it. So the easiest nut products are in a full-sized lab centrifuge. If you're going to make nut milks in the spinzel, the problem is that um, you need to line up your numbers correctly, right? So in, in general, actually, like if I'm – because people don't generally want like a small amount of nut milk. They want a lot of nut milk, And the problem with the spins all is it it tends to separate the nuts into like nuts. And then there's not there's not enough residual stuff in the milk. It spins it almost clear. And so you end up with having not as much nut product in the milk as you want. Does that make sense? So the way that you do it, right, is you have to start with the amount of nut solids that fill the rotor, OK, so like if you if it so you want like 450 grams of nuts or thereabout, about 450, 460. That's how much nuts you want. OK, so that's the key. Then you add however much water you want. Right. And then you run that sucker through the centrifuge once or twice and the bucket will pick up most of the solids. Right. And then you can refilter the stuff through until you get the kind of flavor level you want. But at that point might as well use a bag. Uh, but the key is just to use like, a, like a, an exact amount of nuts. If you're using 200 grams of nuts, then you're not going to get a, a good product out of it. Is this making... John, you use a, a Spinzol. all makes make sense to you? Yes, it makes sense. By the way, by the way, people, uh, I just want to say, John was on this email this morning, this is how irritating in general our life is in terms of our business life okay uh we have a company in in hong kong and shenzhen we pay them a lot of money right stars every month mm-hmm. right okay and we've been trying to get the spins all remanufactured for how long through two years now
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. i started at the company yeah
0: yeah okay okay so and every week we're like Anything, anything, and like they swear that they're gonna get it done like, you know, that they're gonna get it done by the end of the year. We'll see. Okay. And we're like, listen, next time around, it's actually like I'd forgotten John how much I love taking apart spinzalls because John and I don't have any spinzalls left. So, like, before he went and and, uh, got himself the COVID in Seattle, he scraped together a bunch of parts at our storage facility and brought it over, and I had to kind of mind-meld a a working unit out of uh, all of these parts. And uh, I've forgotten how much I enjoy ripping apart one of those spinzalls and putting it back together. I'm just kidding. I hate it a lot. You know what I mean? How much do you love doing it, John? I
2: hate it. So so much, especially as you pointed out dealing with that that sing split ring from yeah, the, yeah from a shaft
0: so for those of you that don't know yeah. what we're talking about, if you look at a shaft okay a cheap way to keep things like bearings and whatnot on the shaft is to use what's called a split ring, so you you take a a lathe, and you go, meep, and you make, like, a, a, a line in the shaft. And then there's this ring with these two little holes in it that you spread apart and you put over the shaft. You can also do internal ones, right? And it clicks into that... In, it's in, like in, a horseshoe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a horseshoe with two holes in it, yeah. right? And there are two kinds of split-ring pliers, good and the kind that we have. So the kind that we have just don't grip the split-ring at all. I swear... There's a person, if there's a person, and I wished that they would die. If I hated them so much that I wanted them actively dead, I still, if you said, I'm going to buy these pair of pliers for them, I'd be like, don't do that. Don't buy them those pliers. They're such garbage. You know what I'm saying? It takes, in turns a 10-second job into a, into a, into a five-minute job. I hate that. Anyway. Uh, so, back to what I was saying. We get an email this morning. Bear in mind... Every month we pay these people thousands of dollars. Now they're like, we need to ship the rotor out to a a, a factory to test for for balancing the you know the the, the rotor test that we're doing for the next run, uh, and uh, it's going to cost seventy dollars to ship it. So we're waiting for you to approve that. We're like, what? 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 And first of all, like they're they're. It, it, it's it's over twenty four hours to get anything done because of the twelve hour time difference that we we have. We, but it's like we're 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 so we're, we're two years in the hole. Just send it. We're good for the seventy bucks. We're good for it. Did you see that email, John? Did you get as angry as I did?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yes, I always do. Waiting to hear is the seventy dollars okay? We've gotten more
1: ridiculous ones, like twenty dollars from.
0: Our other factory. Yeah, where they wait. They just yeah. wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, was, that $70 isn't approved. Do you have my many thousands of dollars you owe me for yeah. my monthly fee? Yeah. Or like are yeah. like, no. Just, you ah, whatever. I don't want to get into it. It's bad. Okay. Uh, okay, so I answered. John, did I answer sufficiently the nut milk question?
2: Yes, I think so. And we'll hear from Ian if, if he didn't. But I think that's good.
0: All right. Sargon wrote in. I'm
2: satisfied. I will delete
0: it. Okay, because you know if John doesn't feel satisfied with it, it stays in. It stays on my uh, on my thing, and I get I see it. and, You know, anyway. Sargon writes in. Let's say you were building a vessel to blend Thai basil daiquiris. Let's just say this is just theoretical. Th- theoretical. Uh, in an inert environment, and that you wanted to use a quick di- quick disconnect mechanism. It needs both liquid and gas loads. Which quick disconnect do you recommend using? The beer quick disconnect seemed to fail because the female part has a little plunger that has a seal, and the seal pops out, uh, and that's very annoying. Uh, also, they're kind of hard to push in. I need to handle roughly uh, 50 PSI. Uh, well... Without knowing exactly how you're doing it, the standard quick disconnect that uh, every DIY person and even non-DIY, oh, my God, Stiles, do you remember that printer we bought? Mm-hmm. No that, more tangents. No, but this is about, nope, about that. Nope, nope, It's not a tangent. Okay. I have to answer the question. Okay. And so do you remember we bought that Z-Corp printer? We named it Bruce. Yes. And, and uh, it never worked yes. right because if all four inks It was basically an inkjet printer. Z-Corp printers are inkjet printers where it sprays uh, binder in clear and different colors onto plaster, roughly, uh, with other stuff in it. And that cures it into a three-dimensional shape. And that was our first 3D printer that we had, like, right when we started Booker & Dax, like, way back in the day. And the fun thing about the one that we had was is that although it had four inks, right, and if any one of those four inks failed... The machine would be like, nope, ink's broken, and it would stop in the middle of the print. Anyway, they use those connectors. So even in that, in that printer, they use the connectors I'm about to say. Colder Products Corporation. Colder Products, CPC. If you look quick disconnect on McMaster Car, that is the uh, quick disconnects that they sell. Right? They don't brand them because McMaster Car uh, reserves the right to change manufacturers at any time, so they won't tell you who makes it, but they're colder products companies. Now, uh, what you have to choose from is they have three main styles, and you can mix and match different hose barbs and all that stuff, and they have them with, in pipe connections, they have them hose barb, they have them panel mount, chrome-plated brass, polypropylene, and acetyl. Go chrome-plated brass. Uh, the polypropylene ones are too big. Uh, the acetyl ones will break they're they're great they're my favorite ones to use if they're not gonna open and close a lot but anything that's gonna get shaken around uh, they have a tendency to crack especially when they're cold so get the chrome plated uh, brass ones you can get them with or without uh, shutoff valves they also have seals on them that will eventually fail but uh, they're reliable for you know two three hundred pop on and pops off they're actually uh, and you're gonna, this is going to be a problem for you. They're a little worse under vacuum than they are under pressure, but they will also work under vacuum. I've used them many times, and they can be fixed. Ah! Joe, uh, Joe tells me we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air.
1: Hey, Dave, it's Garrett uh, ah. from the Sunken Harbor Club. Ah,
0: how you doing? <laughs> Every Everybody's... Uh... So, like, I've been to your bar now twice, uh, and it's a fantastic bar. How's, how's, it, how's it going over there? Everyone, everyone, everyone seems yeah, to like the Sunken Harbor. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, hi, Nastasia. Hi, hi, John. Hi. Hey, Garrett.
0: Yeah. Uh, you want to plug? So you want to plug your upcoming your... book, though? You want to plug your upcoming book before you get started, or no? Oh,
1: uh, I would, oh, My upcoming booking. Yes, I'm doing a seminar at D.C.B. Um, next week on the history of the blender. Um, I'm doing it with Jelani Johnson, who used to be with uh, Clover Club. Um, And, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Hamilton Beaches and uh, Wearing Blenders and Frozen Machines, and she should be really cool. But that's why I'm calling, because I heard – one of your listeners had a question about how to use a milkshake mixer better. Was that the question?
0: Well, so it was Ilya, but he says go buy either Eli or Elijah for my English spelling, my English pronouncing foolish self. And the question is this. Summer is approaching. And it's kind of approached. It's hot up. Summer is approaching, and I'm looking for unorthodox things to do with my classic milkshake uh, maker. Something refreshing. Non-alcoholic, but not as heavy and sweet as an ordinary milkshake. Any ideas or places to dig for those ideas? So, what we're talking about here, people, is it. It looks like a. It looks like an outboard motor with a stick and like a little little propellery thing at the bottom. Would you say it's an accurate description, Garrett? Yeah, I would say
1: that's the best way to describe those types of machines. Is they're re- really they're like electric swizzle sticks, you know, that have like a. You know, if you if you have a good one, it has like a three thousand RPM motor attached to it. You know,
0: well, and you're the you're the prime but, uh, user. So what 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 should what should they be doing with them? Yeah,
1: <laughs> we yeah we use uh, we use the Hamilton Beach uh, flash blenders quite a bit at Sunken Harbor Club. We use them for basically most of our crushed ice drinks. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of different uses for that machine, uh, if you like cocktails, um, egg white drinks are actually fantastic coming out of, uh, Hamilton Beach. Um, they give a, I mean, basically when you're using those machines, you're getting a lot of aeration, um, that is not possible in a shaker. So for a non-alcoholic drink, you would want to look for something that needs extra texture. Maybe that's, um, Maybe that's fresh mango. Maybe it's, you know, taking something like champagne mangoes and pureeing them. And then, um, you know, that puree, it might be kind of thick in a in a shaker or just sitting on crushed ice. And having that air will make it lighter and fluffier and, um, you know, just bring out a lot of uh, flavors that the fruit has that you wouldn't necessarily get in a, you know, shaken or built drink. Um, but let me give uh, your listener kind of the basic template we use for the uh, Hamilton Beach. So um, for, an, for an up egg white drink, what we do is, and obviously I don't think you'd be using an egg white for non alk but this is just to give you some general guidelines. For an up egg white drink, what we do is we build the drink with a half ounce of egg white and then we uh, use the spindle mixer uh, and blend it without ice first for like five seconds that emulsifies everything and then we blend it with 12 ounces of crushed ice for five seconds and then strain so that's an up drink. in general for any sort of crushed ice drink what we'll do is we'll put a cup of crushed ice in the tin and then about a half a cup uh to a full cup of crushed ice in the glass um the ice that goes into the tin is going to liquefy. It's going to break down a little bit more. So you're going to get layers of ice when you're pouring it into the glass. And, you know, the the non-agita- non-agitated ice is going to be in the glass. So it's going to hold the temperature while the ice that you put in the blender and blend with, blended with is going to, you know, just drop the temperature a little bit more, Um liquefy as I said before and just um you know give uh, give all these like points of contact which then create the texture in the milkshake mixer. Now do you freehand
0: um, it or do you click yeah. it in? Do you freehand or click?
1: Uh you can do both. Um I behind the bar we installed the little there's a little plastic piece in a lot of those uh Hamilton beaches that Um, allow you to just freehand it and just push it up and then it goes and um, we build all our drinks in the bigger side of the tin for those uh, for those cocktails because uh, it's too it's kind of too dangerous and a little too wonky to do it in the smaller side of a shaker you need that you know sort of big like milkshake you know like the same milkshake tins you see at like Johnny Rockets or you know whatever but
0: I like um, I like that you think that I've been there, and I'm like those are the milkshake tins that I see there. Stas, you like that kind of place. Yeah. Like, you like a milkshake <laughs> joint, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. yeah. Uh, wait, wait. So but you, you you so you don't make them in the actual regular Hamilton Beach, like because they're oversized tins. They're bigger even than a big tin, right?
1: We we have about six of them. Yeah, we use we use them. But if you don't have that at home, a big side of a cocktail shaker will also work.
0: Yeah. well, I mean, but if they have the mixer. They probably have that tin. It came with. Yeah, they,
1: they probably have the big tin. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now. Yeah, but you
1: want to build. You want to build in your tin. Build all your ingredients first, and then add your ice, and then uh, and then run it for about five seconds on high, and that that will get you your electric sizzle stick. Essentially.
0: Yeah. Now, would the, was the uh, okay? I never went to the gem spa back when it was open, so I have no idea. Was the original egg cream uh, concept made with one of those before they added the seltzer to whip it up before you put the seltzer in, or not?
1: You know, I could see that being a possibility, but um, every you know that's a that's a question about order of operations, right? Because you know sometimes you see some of those old school. Uh, egg cream places, they'll they'll actually mix the soda and the chocolate syrup first before adding the. So you, would, if you did that in the Hamilton, you probably would, you know, fizz out most of the soda. But if you did the milk with the the syrup, I would imagine it would be perfect. So it's definitely something worth trying. But you know, for for non-alcoholic stuff, um, you know, I think definitely playing around with. Um, you know, uh, like behind behind the bar, what we were doing, we were using actually recently Palmer's tonic as sort of a substitute for alcohol and then using, uh, you know, combining it with pineapple and cardamom um, and pineapple whips really, really well in a Hamilton Beach. So we um, you doing juicer, yeah, or, that- ju- juice or pulp. Uh, we were doing kind of both. We were using um, a- acid-adjusted pineapple juice, and then we make pineapple gum syrup with pineapple juice, sugar, and gum arabic. So um, both whip up really nicely. So I think that would and, – and with Tomers, if, if your listener hasn't had Tomers, it's a very sort of Caribbean spice tom- uh, tonic syrup. It's very It's less – I, you know, it has quinine, but it also has, all, you know, allspice and cinnamon. So it has very tropical flavors. And uh, it, the, that syrup was designed by Tom Richter, who used to work at the Irving and Attaboy and is a very accomplished uh, bartender in his own right. Is,
0: it, is It's not as allspicy as allspice dram, right? Because to me, that just rides over the top of everything. I know that everyone likes it. I'm not trying to be negative about it. No,
1: no. I think it's just Tom Richter wanted to do kind of like a 19th century style, uh, you know, tonic concentrate and it, and it works. It's, it's a fun thing to do. It's non-alcoholic drink. So I would definitely recommend kind of playing around with that for the, the Hamilton beach.
0: You done any food things with it? Is there a food thing to be done with it?
1: That's a good question. I mean, uh, if you're, if you need to whip up a bunch of, um, You know, acid-adjusted juice, it uh, integrates the the acid pretty quickly, which is Mm. nice.
0: And what about, like, Um, coffee drinks? You done any coffee drinks? I know it's not food. I know I'm jumping around here. But you done any any good coffee drinks? That stuff whips nicely, like espresso-based drinks with it?
1: No, I have an espresso machine because my uh, roommate uh, used to be a barista, so that's that's definitely something I should try. But, I mean, it's interesting that the the other thing that I've, I've liked doing with the Hamilton Beach, which I haven't seen outside of one bar, which is the Tiki in Los Angeles, is I like adapting Alexander-style drinks to the Hamilton Beach because I think, I think in general, Alexanders, they're a little weird having them up, right? Because it's a cream drink. You know, it's only going to get worse as it gets warmer. And, you know, do, do you really want to slam... Uh, you know, a cream drink, unless it's, like, really small. And, uh, you know, what's nice about, you know, having, like, something like a Banshee or a Grasshopper, you know, what have you, on uh, the the whipped, you know, crushed ice, is it kind of, you know, gives it some time to open up. You can hang out with it. The temperature holds. And, you know, the the little extra water cuts through the cream a little bit more. And, you know, it's kind of a fun... uh, avenue to go down for after-dinner drinks.
0: I was going to say that, you know, I very rarely order that style of drink until you brought up the grasshopper, and the nitro-muddled grasshoppers, I would slam that. I would slam that hard. The nitro-muddled grasshopper? Yeah,
1: because that that, that had the freshness of the mint oil and, and, you know, whatnot. And that was, yeah, that was a very... You had to be in the know to order that at existing conditions. That was... uh, (laughs) But, yeah. but quite a damn good drink.
0: At, at, no, longer, at no longer existing uh, conditions. Oh, something I, I'll have uh, while I have you on the air. Last time we were at Sunken Harbor, uh, I described these bottles that I grew up with that I think I brought up on the air last week. The Bowles Ballerina bottles? Yeah. yeah. So they're like... Yeah, uh, did you find one? I found two. I found... So what they were... I talked about this last week, right, Joe? Didn't I? You did. Yeah. So if, in case you didn't hear last week, there are these bottles... And they're shaped kind of like an upside-down bell. And there's a container inside of it molded in, and underneath is a music box with a ballerina. And they used to have either uh, Donziger Goldwasser or, like, apricot with gold flakes in it, right? So I picked up an apricot one, and the apricot uh, ballerina <coughs> is... The apricot ballerina is uh, is wearing a white tutu, and I picked up a Danziger Goldwasser one, and that one uh, she's wearing a red tutu. I had to fix kind of them a little bit, but I got them. And here's what I did: so I'm I'm gonna make a banana Hustino with extra banana with uh, Ray and nephew, so that I can add more banana and still have the high proof so that it pours. You, you like where I'm going with this, uh, Garrett? And then oh,
1: nice, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then I did to for the apricot one. I did, uh, again, Ray and Neff, because I want it to be like, ch- what pill are you going to choose? You can choose the banana pill or the apricot pill. I put apricots, uh, dried apricots, blendums obviously, because you know I'm a high-acid man. But then I also put in canned peach halves to uh, lower the proof a little bit and up the sweetness and get my yield high, along with a little bit of their juice. And I spun that out, in Ray and Nephew took it down to about 40% alcohol with by adding enough uh peach and stuff so that it stays right at about 40 proof and I floated the gold flakes into that sucker and with the ballerina <laughs> twirling and the apricot peach freaking array of nephew and I mean like that bottle is styling now that bottle tastes much better now than it did probably in the uh you know 60s when it was originally made so I'm I'm pretty stoked I'm going to take those up to Rochester cuz I'm going to go see uh Donnie Clutterbuck in fact I have there's a I'm doing a tasting thing on Friday at Cure in Rochester and giving a talk at the Rochester Cocktail Revival. Maybe I'll bring, maybe I'll bring those bottles up because uh, floating gold around. Everyone likes floating gold, right? Everyone? Pretty much?
1: Do both, do both bottles uh, play the same song? It's always they, Blue Danube. Are they the same song?
0: It's all, yeah. It's the same old song. Yeah. It's a it's Blue Danube. It's always Blue Danube. So it's basically you're choosing I based on the one was
1: how dry it how dry
0: I am, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but they, you know, they, so I don't think that they were making like uh, those kind of like, you know, uh, cartoon like, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) Alcoholics Anonymous jokes with their songs back then. They just wanted to play Blue Danube, man. They sold this bottle for like like 30 years. I think it like the Bulls ballerina bottle was was a was, was a was a thing. The knucklehead that sold this bottle on eBay, they broke the cork and so their response was to glue the cap down, glue it down. You know how hard that was to get off without breaking the bottle and then repair the cork? Yeah. Anyway, uh so for those of you that are doing dried fruit Hustinos, try using a high proof uh, thing and adding a little bit of a wetter fruit. So even if you're going to do like mango, you don't want to use all fresh mango. But if you're doing mango, try adding like dried mango and then one fresh mango to jack the water up and provide some hydration to the uh, dried fruit. Otherwise, your yield is very, very low. Haven't you noticed that, uh, Garrett?
1: Yeah, and I mean, it. You know, Ray and Nephew is really good for that kind of stuff. If you need a more neutral um, white rum that's like, you know, high proof the uh, Diamond Distillery that they make Eldorado, they have a pretty clean white 151. So, you know, if you needed something that's like less aggressive in flavor than, um, than Ray and Nephew, that's also a, a really good option.
0: And it's cleaner than the old Bacardi 151? That I think they discontinued that, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's significantly cleaner. I'll use it sometimes to jack the ABZ in a frozen drink or whatever just to, like, neutrally bump up the, you know, alcohol content or whatever.
0: Right. But- it, so, like, 151, by the way, for anyone who's interested in trying an auto Hustino, 151, it, depending on how much stuff you add to it, is enough to automatically break pectin. So you can do, uh, you can add stuff, and it will automatically clear even without a centrifuge, as long as you keep the the proof high enough. Um, the other fun thing, is the, the thing to know, if you're going to blend, uh, even whether you're using a centrifuge or not, um, you want to get the proof down to forty forty and change before you add your enzymes so blend in your fruit before you add the enzyme because i don't know i haven't tested it but my guess is is that that super high proof might denature the enzyme and stop it from doing its uh job so i would blend the fruit first and then add the enzymes i don't know but i'm gonna say that like just why take a chance you know what i mean it doesn't care doesn't care uh all right uh <laughs> no
1: it's, it its it, it sounds delicious but i yeah, I, yeah. I i want i'm I'm interested in the apricot mango one for sure
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well I, I did apricot peach right apricot mango would be good, although you were like uh, uh, yeah, ap- oh, yeah apricot yeah. mango would also be good. you mentioned champagne uh mangoes, and the only thing I ha- went through my head is they're they're good, but not as good as champagne. I don't know that they deserve the name. Nastasi and I were sitting here, and if you put a, man- a champagne mango and then a bottle of champagne, what would you, what would you dive into first, Stas? Champagne. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure it's going to be the champagne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's rosé. That's a no contest. That's true. That's no contest. Nastasia and I will, will drink an ocean of, of uh, rosé champagne. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Stuff's delicious. We'll never turn that down. Um, all right, so one last thing before I let you go. You have a book coming out in, what, like nine months, something like that you want to talk about, or too early, too early, too early, too soon?
1: It's uh, too early to talk about that, yeah.
0: All right, all right. Well, I've read yeah, it. It's good. Everyone's, yeah. exci- <laughs> everyone's excited for it. Do you know, do you, you don't have a release date? They didn't give you a release date yet?
1: Uh, no, yeah, I can't, not, not officially announced yet. All but, right,
0: uh, so I didn't say anything. Yeah, you don't well, have a book yeah. coming out. Don't bother looking for yeah. it you won't find it but uh all right garrett thanks for uh thanks for calling in and giving us some uh milkshake stuff
1: yeah if uh if if your listener uh have any questions I'm, I answer pretty quickly on uh my instagram it's at the garrett j richard at instagram so yeah.
0: yeah all right well thank you
1: yeah and come by um, the southern Harbor club we do uh, you know, we built a carbonation station like we did it, like we had it in existing conditions. Um, you know, we play a lot with cordials and uh, just all the good stuff that you guys talk about on the show. So,
0: By the way, yeah. you, I like that you call it a spindle, I mean, spindle mixer, but that the word spindle mixer sounds like bindle stiff. So you have to make a bindle stiff spindle mix drink for like circus people.
1: For, for, yeah, for hobos, hobos from the twenties. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But weren't Elfing, they specifically circus Elfing, hobos? Weren't they circus hobos only? You can't be a random hobo and be a bindle stiff, can you?
1: I mean, it, it, the, the clown theme is is more fun to play with. So, yeah, I'm I'm into it.
0: All right, so I want like you text me when you have it done, and I'm gonna have the bindle spi- the bindle stiff spindle mix when I come in. Uh, in addition to your delicious uh, Pim's Cup uh, variant, which everyone on earth should try. I mean, everyone who drinks that should try yeah, it.
2: Yeah, also, just to pump up the bar a little more, Garrett's Bar is fantastic. The drinks are delicious. The ambiance is super cool. The glassware is awesome. I mean, if you're in New York City or visiting New York City, you have to go. It's, it's a great place.
0: Spe- speaking of yeah, pump up... Yeah,
1: we're open currently Wednesday, Wednesday through Sunday, but, uh, you yeah, we may be open... A, a, we may be open late, more days coming up, but uh, Wednesday is Sunday right
0: now. So. You put that late 80s, early 90s, pump up the volume, pump up the volume, dance, dance. You can't hear anything, Stas? No, I can hear you. <laughs> no, I, can't hear you. I can that, hear you, dude. Oh, Griff, well, the last person here. on Earth yeah. you want to hear. All right. All right, well, thanks, Garrett, and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Nastasia, I'm guessing that this question uh, is one of your friends.
1: Me? I don't know.
0: Uh, this is from the mayor. No, I don't think so. The mayor of Mainus. Hmm. <laughs> For those of you that know, I think it's actually pronounced Mianus, but it's like a little townlet. What do you call it? Like a hamlet near Greenwich, right? And so, as I've said many times, whenever you're driving uh, up or down 95 and you hit traffic there, because you always will because it's a garbage straight road, right? You, You always have to say... It's slow going through my anus. <laughs> or heavy traffic out of my anus. Or stuff like this. Every time. Mm. You know what I mean? And Booker gets real mad. So I thought maybe this was a friend of yours trolling no? me because it's a troll question. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but true, to, true to us, I'm going to take it seriously anyway from the mayor of my anus. Uh, One of my neighbor's horses died recently. And I would like to cook some of the meat for them. After the, vet finish, uh, after the vet finishes their autopsy. Uh, I'm hoping to cheer them up a bit with creative horses for courses menu. Does Dave have any go-to horse meat recipes? Right. Thanks in advance. So I'm going to go ahead and assume because there ain't no horse owner on earth who would eat their own horse. It's their neighbor. But he's going to serve it to the... or I'm assuming it's a guy. Going to serve it to the neighbor. By the way, uh, we knew someone once who left their dog with a roommate they hated, and the roommate killed the dog and served it to them when they got back. Ugh. They were not pleased.
1: That's really That's screwed terrible.
0: up. That's hard screwed up. You know what I mean? And the only other, yeah. I mean, I know, but he, here's the thing about horses. Like, Cavallo. Yeah, but, but in, in the U.S., we don't eat it. It's People are horrified. You know what I mean? And you have to ask yourself why certain animals are off limits for us to eat. Like I wouldn't eat a dog, right? I understand that it's – what's the word? Not logical that I don't want to eat a dog because I eat other animals that are just as smart as a dog, right? So it is inherently illogical for me that I wouldn't do that that i wouldn't eat it but i i I mean like if you know i could see a situation where you know you don't want to be impolite and all this but i would never choose to eat it i would never want to eat i would never enjoy it right i think a lot of people feel that way for horses but again it's completely illogical but because i also have illogical behavior i understand it right would you eat horse dust no i remember when i went to germany i've eaten it how was it
2: I've had horse too. Yeah,
0: how was it? Well, you yeah. you like France. French people. France. I was about to say the French. The French eat horses like it's going out of style, which in fact it is, even in France.
1: I, I had it from it was like a M, it was an M Wells pop up, so that makes sense. Oh, kind of wow. French
0: Canadian,
1: uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say that like I, I'm not against, obviously against eating the horse, but I horse. don't. I I probably would eat horse. I just have not eaten horse, so no, I don't have any recipes for it. But I went to my international. Uh, uh, buffet uh, recipe book, which is the one that has the recipe for whale meat in it. Cause I'm figuring if this book has a recipe for whale in it, it's going to have recipes for horse, especially cause it's a French and like Euro centered book. And so the, the Italians eat horse, the French eat horse, like a bunch of people eat, eat horse. And there's a, there's a long history of the French uh, eating horse, especially after the revolution, right. As kind of an FU to, uh, to the aristocracy because the horses are seen as kind of an arist- a- a- aristocratic thing. Um and maybe that's why people didn't used to eat horses because there's because we use them for other things. The horses that people used to eat were, in general, I think, old horses, right? Because this is the thing that you know. I, I guess Booker doesn't you know understand. He's, he's a vegetarian now, uh, but I'm like, no one keeps these animals, work animals, alive past the point when they're useful for work anymore because they're doing it for a job. They're not like part of the family. They're not friends. They're just they're a work machine it's sad to say, but that, so I think that 's what a lot of the old horses originally were were ways to get rid of old horses. wouldn't you say that 's right, uh, John Jack
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so the only time I ever had the opportunity to eat horse was when I went to Germany at the height of the mad cow scare, and nobody in Europe was eating cow, and so it was sauerbraten vom fared, which means sauerbraten from horse. And I didn't get it, but, so maybe do that. If you have your old horse meat, make some bratton because this, this is not a young horse. This is an old horse. You know what I mean? I'm assuming that the neighbor's horse didn't die young. First of all, not a good idea to, if, if an animal drops dead and you don't know why, not a good idea to eat it. You know what I mean? This is why, like, when, when roadkill is fine to eat, if you, if you can see that the animal wasn't diseased and it just got hit with a car. But you don't want to eat a diseased animal. Like, how many times does the Bible have to tell you not to eat a diseased animal before you listen? You know what I mean? I mean, it's, maybe you don't listen to the Bible. I don't know. But it's one of the big <laughs> things in the Bible. You know, don't eat diseased animals. I think we can kind of get on board with that. This is why we have USDA inspection. You're not supposed to serve people diseased animals. People get bent. Like, if, it, it, like when a cow shows up at a slaughterhouse and it's dead, they're not supposed to process that thing. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like we have rules against this. So when a horse drops dead, you're not supposed to cook it. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Well, that's why he's waiting for the autopsy yeah. results, Dave. The autopsy results is not... No 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 vet is going to be like, good to eat, good to eat. I'll tell you something else that's sad. Going back to what I was saying before when I used to work at the hospital, is they would, um, you know, they, they would sacrifice uh, a pig for these experiments, and we were just using the heart, and sometimes other labs would come take other places. But even though... We didn't do any weird drugs to that. They had to dispose of the body. The regulations were they had to dispose of the body. So like a lot of that went to waste. That was the worst part of it. That and every aspect of it. Every aspect of it was actually the worst part of it. But that was one of the bad aspects of it. Um, All right. So did I answer this uh, question satisfactorily, John, or no? Yes, you did. Good job. And uh, if you speak French or if you have Google Translate, you can get a bunch of recipes off of uh, French websites and Italian websites because they both have a lot of... Oh, also, I'll tell you what I will eat. If I ever get to go to Beijing, right, they make these donkey burgers that are supposedly out of this world. Like, donkey burger is like a big thing. It's like a donkey-based, chopped donkey meat. And, you know, the saying apparently is in heaven there's dragon meat but here on earth we have donkey that's how good donkey burgers are supposed to be <laughs> wow. wow it's like Don Quixote oh ah, but donkeys again are real smart uh, did I talk about this about going and the Eeyore. world's fastest donkey did I talk about this do, you told me about do yourselves you a that favor people out. do yourselves a favor the uh, look at world's fastest donkey they run like like so fast. There's someone. They're the uh, Asian onager. Uh, it's crazy. All right. Nine ten. Uh, wait. Well, how do you think you pronounce this, John? Nine one o oh, agi How do you pronounce this? I'm missing something in there in their username. Question for anybody out there. I have two chemistry degrees and a huge interest in food. Uh, I looked into a cross section of chemistry and food and stumbled across the flavorist position. Flavorist is a uh, you know a job that's very hard to get. Uh, you know. But it's notoriously difficult to get your foot in the door at that kind of a job. Does anybody have any advice for someone in my position? What are some other food science jobs out there? Thinking about working with flavors and how they interact would truly be my dream job. Uh, I've been thinking about uh, yet another grad degree, maybe at NC State, so I'm not above going back to school. Thanks. What you need to do, 910, is go join the Research Chefs uh, Association because it's a group of people who have exactly your mindset uh, in mind and they have all the hookups for what the job Jobs are, and what you need to get there, and they're a real friendly group of people. John, is that a good piece of advice? Yes, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, I put a note out to Ariel. Uh, you know, if she hasn't gotten back to me yet, but if she does, uh, I'll get back uh, to you. Also, uh, in the 41 seconds I have left. Next week, I won't have time to talk about it, but I have really interesting hood news for you. Uh, I put an air conditioner in my in my kitchen window because Jen uh, didn't want the air conditioner in the living room because it was a mess. And the return air coming from the air conditioner somehow doesn't short-circuit it. It makes my hood now freaking super hood. So like I can talk more about that later. I have some beef experiments I ran. And if anyone wants to hear how to make a grease surround for their crepe maker, uh, just ask me and uh, We'll be back next week with uh, the Joy of Cooking, Cooking Issues.